two, one. Welcome back to the Habs Puck Drop Podcast. This is our weekly review where we review the week that was and the week to come. So Jesse, let's start off with the February 1st game versus Vancouver. Right, so we had a 6-2 win against Vancouver. That was that big, you know, game that we'd predicted. Um, we had goals from Suzuki, Lekkanen, Petrie, Gallagher, another one from Petrie. And, you know, if we're playing Vancouver, of course, Toffoli's going to score. Yeah. Um, so yeah, a little more detail on that. The assists on Suzuki were Anderson and Druin. We had an unassisted shorthanded goal from Lekkanen. Petrie's goals came from Byron and Lekkanen, and then also from Perry and Kotkaniemi. Gallagher scored from Suzuki, and Toffoli scored on the power play from Weber and Petrie. Carey Price was a 931 in that game, and I think you know that was that big win that we were expecting them to have. Yeah. Um, it was fun to watch. I mean, it's always fun to see you know, them put up five-plus goals. But, you know, everyone was getting on the score sheet. You see a couple key names getting on the score sheet more than once. You know, Suzuki, we got uh, Petrie scoring a couple. It was nice to see Lekkanen get on the board, you know, multi-point night. And it was just nice to see Carey Price put up. It's nice to see Lekkanen get a shorty. Yeah. Like, that's just, you know, that's where all his effort is, is yeah. on that penalty and kill. He's and... being rewarded this year. It's a second yeah. shorthanded goal. I yeah. mean, they're shorthanded in general is just wild the Habs but it's nice to see you know Lekkanen getting that appraisal that he deserves yeah um so yeah moving on to the uh anything to add to that game I mean no I think think just just as solid as it could be I mean you know Price uh you know Price really stood on his head there too I mean they had quite a few shots yeah um but the two that went in were kind of like you know little not fluky goals I don't want to call it that but they were kind of weak so I, I know people were criticizing a little bit there but from my opinion they were they were weak in terms of a team effort. Like they were, yeah, it was they just, trickled through the D, and there's a lot of screens and. Yeah, and I think at that point it was late in the game too. Yeah. You know, we kind of had uh, closed it off, and you know, we we kind of let our guard down for yeah. a bit. But you know, big win anyway, and uh, you know, we could just move right on to the next night again yeah. against Vancouver, um, five yeah. three win. Yeah, five three win versus Vancouver. We had uh, you know t- that was our two goals from Anderson night. Uh, both both goals from Anderson had a Suzuki assist. Then the first one had an assist from Sherratt, and then the second one had an assist from Kulak. Um, and then that was an you know, like you said, we're playing Vancouver. Toffoli's going to be on the board. Two goals from Tyler Toffoli, um, assists from Petrie and Edmondson on the first one, and then Weber and Kotkaniemi on the second. Yeah, um, if I could just interrupt, do yeah. you remember that goal that uh, Toffoli scored? Which one? Uh, oh, oh yeah, the, the highlight reel, the yeah. highlight of the year yeah, goal. Yeah, that was was that this that was the second. I, think, I believe right? so. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, it was the Weber uh, Cochin. Yeah, that man. was an unbelievable goal. Yeah, that I, was just... that was a goal scorer's goal. Unfortunately, as much as I love Jordy Ben, he made him look silly. Yeah, uh, early retirement is a recommendation, <laughs> but uh, yeah, that that was just another. You know, it was a little bit closer, but you know the you know five to three versus six to two. But again, the Habs put up five goals, high scoring. You know, the last goal there coming from Petrie on the empty net, assisted by Toffoli. So again, you know, we're hearing those names a lot. Anderson, Toffoli, Petrie, Suzuki. Like, and these guys are all just killing it yeah, for us. Yeah, it, it's nice to see that, like, you know, that team, we're not just scoring on them on Holtby. I mean, it's Demko and Holtby just can't seem to piece it together against us. Because, um, you know, like, they're not playing terrible this year. Like, their the save percentage are, are both above 905. 
Yeah, you know no, I mean? they're, they're, they're stopping playing decent, decent so. amount of pucks. They have just have their number. Yeah, they just can't do it. And uh, um, you know that's kind of like us with Ottawa, apparently. So. Yeah, and also I think it's just worth mentioning. Uh, Allen was a nine twenty five that night. Allen's yeah. been unbelievable for us. Uh, he's got one of the best save percentages in the league. Um, now, yeah, we'll move on to February fourth. So as I mentioned in the between the whistles from February sixth, that actually we're recording this now on Sunday, so. Uh, it went up a couple hours ago, but we lost the audio file for that entire game. Yeah, that was just game, heartbreaking. Which, which we sucked, had a, but... We had some heated debate on that, Yeah, too. that was a good one. I was upset with that. But basically, a uh, quick version first. Uh, we had a 3-2 loss versus Ottawa. Goals from Gallagher, assisted by Tatar and uh, Dano. And then a late, late goal from Anderson, assisted by Dano, uh, shorthanded. Carey Price was an 8-6-4 in that game, and... You know, a 3-2 loss to Ottawa, that stung. Yeah, that was a game where we had predicted, you know, like, I was talking to Jesse before the game, and I was like, we might see an 8 nothing game. We yeah, might see an 8 game. Yeah, double digits. We yeah. were, you know, this was supposed to be the worst it's, defense you know, versus the yeah. best offense. And this is like a, this is a goaltender, Matt Murray, who like, you know, I guess you could look at it like in the sense that he's, you know, he's, he's not a terrible goalie, and he's been playing terrible, so maybe it was time for him to actually show up, but... You know, we're talking about a goalie who had a 4.8 GAA and who was an 8.45 on the season. So this is a team that we should have just lit up, but I don't know what it was. We came out with, you know, no fire in our belly. Uh, we weren't forechecking. We weren't backchecking. Um, puck was getting stripped from us. We couldn't, you know, we couldn't dump and chase even. But we noticed a lot was Jeff Petrie not handling the puck well. It was well. jumping over his stick. It was a very rare game. Everything that could have gone wrong did um, we know we gave up two very quick goals that we just didn't seem to bounce back from. And I remember us talking about just the Habs being such a dominant rush offense team. We were getting met the blue line and we weren't, you know, playing our game. We were kind of dumping it in and, you know, kind of playing the cycle game that just it doesn't work, especially against a team like Ottawa, where that's the only thing that they really do have is they have a couple guys who are big and they can bang and crash on the boards. Well, you that's, know? that's what I was going to jump in there is like with the Perry good Branson fight. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it, it wasn't it wasn't great to see Perry lean into the ref and like look like he was asking him to stop it. Like yeah. I think he pushed out a little bit there. A little bit. Uh, you know, we were saying in our lost audio that, um, you know, I think Perry thought he got Brandstrom, but he got good yeah. Bran. <laughs> so yeah no exactly a little bit of a weight difference there but yeah you know even perry just didn't look like he was in it like no i think this is is a good time you know if armia comes back to kind of throw him back in the taxi squad because you know it's like we were saying he's going to be good in small bursts Mm -hmm. you know like i i want to keep him healthy i want to keep his like his fire going yeah and like i i wouldn't be opposed to swapping him either with fro leak or if army is healthy yeah i'm completely for that and uh yeah, that's basically, honestly, that game was just a dud. It was one that I just really wanted to move past. I really hoped that the uh, the next game against Ottawa was going to be, you know, a big redemption game, which, I mean, we'll just move on to it, I guess. Uh, it wasn't a massive redemption game. I think, you know, I mentioned in the podcast, Paul Byron, uh, he had a quote to the media that came out during the second game in Ottawa where he said, um, you know, good teams don't lose two games in a row and I think that you know that's a big statement especially when you're playing the way you did Paul Byron making that you know that's motivational but you guys got to show up um you know beating Ottawa 2-1 in the second game that was anybody's game yeah and it was it was hard to watch them play basically the same way they played against uh Ottawa in the first game 
But, you know, they just got a few extra lucky bounces. See, guys, I missed that game. I couldn't make the uh, 1 p.m. start. Um, so I'll let Jesse take the lead here. But from what I heard, it was, you know, very physical game, but a lot of what we saw in the first. That's exactly it. And, I mean, it, it, they just played the same with a couple different bounces. We had a power play goal from Petrie, and then we had, a you know, a later goal from Anderson via Suzuki and Druin again. Um, but if you look at the goalie stats, you know, Price being an 8-6-4 in the first game versus Allen being a 9-7-1 in the second, you know, Allen really did save us there. 2-1 to one against Ottawa is unacceptable. Yeah. I think a big thing is, and like this is, you know, more of the controversy for it, but um, Jake Evans took a pretty high hit from Good Branson. He's okay and everything, but it was just another, you know, that when, when the focus was on Jake Evans getting hit, Instead of, you know, the poor play, you know they really didn't play well. Um, 2-1, like I said, unacceptable. But, again, I'll take a win. It was ugly. Um, I mentioned it on the podcast, I think, a couple times where I I think this is one of those things where, you know, any other team probably would have beat us. And it was just not, you know, it wasn't fun to watch. It was a boring second period. That, That was a brutal second period. Like, there was just couple penalties that just turned into nothing and then did we come back with like any fire though no like, that's that's the seriously. thing nothing really had like that was it you know we had an early goal where petrie scored and that was the okay here we go moment and then it just it dropped again hmm. that was the problem is it, it it reminded me so much of the other game where we scored early and then nothing happened for 40 minutes and then right near the end, Anderson just buries another yeah, one. Yeah, I saw it's like a triple rebound. Yeah, it was Suzuki or Druin shot, then Suzuki shot, then Anderson shot. I'm like, I'll take it, but it's just it, it was so hard to watch because it wasn't even like uh you know we were getting chances. It was just nobody was getting chances, and then we scored. See, I I just I don't know what the hell is with us with these teams. Like, you know, it's I'd almost rather us be in a conference. I'm I'm obviously being facetious here, but like. I'd almost rather be in a conference with like Tampa, Boston, Philly. Yeah, to force us to play. Rather up. than be in a conference with like, you know, Detroit, Ottawa. Like, you know, yeah. we just, I don't know why. We always play to our competition this way, like more than other teams. Like, I understand this isn't a phenomenon restricted to the Montreal Canadiens, but it seems like we, like, you know, usually what you see with that is, um, for example, if you take Toronto against Ottawa, you have the same phenomenon with the Matthews and, and Tavares line. But, you know, it seems like other players on that team step up to kind of fill the gap. Whereas in the Canadians, it seems like every single player plays exactly to that competition and we just can't do it. So it's like, you know, it's uh, no one there to step up. And, you know, it, it's tough against a team like that, too, because, like, uh, you know, they're they're gritty around the net. And, uh, you know, if especially if our D aren't in it and we're not clearing the net, like, you know, especially guys like Kachuk there. It's very frustrating to watch. Yeah, I, w- I will mention, though, that I think the Habs were getting frustrated because in back-to-back plays and back-to-back games against Ottawa, it was enough that, you know, TSN had to mention it. But it did look like uh, Tim Stutzla was kind of embellishing Dying. a little. You know, he was getting he was getting bad penalties. He's already a big puss. I could that's, already tell. That's the thing. He's getting that already. European um, stereotype put on him. But it's, it's unfortunate only because he's obviously hyper-talented. But he is playing that game of, like, I put up points and then I go down from the, the earliest hit. You know, there was one moment I remember from the game where Ben Sherratt got a penalty on him. And, it, you know, it, it was a penalty. He essentially cross-checked Stutzel in the back of the head. But what, en- what was happening was he was coming out of the face-off and driving back into Sherratt. And so Sherratt went to push him, and 
basically what happened was the point of contact was the back of the neck from the stick. But he went down as though he'd been, you know, shot. And it was just, it was getting frustrating to see this kid, like, playing that physical game. And then just, you know, every time getting the call. You know, it's like I think of Romanov, who throws his body around, makes massive hits, and doesn't get the calls because that's, like, his style. I just, I've noticed that a lot in the NHL where... Guys are getting called because it's like, oh, that's like your play. Like you can, you know, it's yeah, it's like when a, Gallagher doesn't get called in yeah, front of the net because it's you Gallagher. have to hold a standard. Yeah, you have to hold a standard, and and you know the, the refing, you know, it, it's getting to be more now than you know just a trend. Jesse and I are noticing. Like we've been talking about this since the first game against yeah. Toronto. Like some bad calls, like the that first holding call in Suzuki. I was like, oh fuck, here we go. Yeah, but you know now it's actually becoming a trend where there's videos of refs going into their locker room. And talking about these plays, about like, you know, what were you doing there? What were you thinking? Yeah. I don't know if you saw a video with like Wes McCauley. Yeah, no, I did. And they, they were at odds against each other yeah. even. I, I will say this, though. I did mention just, you know, going around online and kind of like looking at other fan bases. Because I, I want to try and be fair about it. Um, there is a somewhat of a consensus, especially amongst like the cap-friendly uh, people and, you know, the Instagram communities. And even on the, uh, the score app with the chats. That as you venture out west, the refing gets worse and worse. So it's not just us being biased about, you know, the Bell Center having, you know, I arguably the best refereeing so far. But it does seem that as you progress towards Vancouver, the refing has been getting worse. I don't know what the correlation is, yeah. but uh, if there is one. But I just think Well, we that... do know that... Sorry to cut you off, but we do know that uh, penalties are up 13% this year. Yeah. And that's like, a lot. Well, like, yeah, it doesn't no, sound like a lot, but that's a lot of penalties. Well, yeah, it's it's, uh, it's one and eight. Yeah. So it's, uh, you know, they should they should look at that stat. And, you know, I, I'm sure they do because, like, this is, you know, a job that, you know, pays a lot of money for, you know, skating around the ice. But, um, you know, they, they just like players review tape. They I hope to God they review tape because some of these calls are just, you know, like, well, not yeah, they're, they're the I think the biggest issue for me is that it's not so much the calls that are being made, but it's the non calls. I don't particularly mind if the refs are strict. I mean, I, it makes for boring hockey when special teams are, you know, 40 percent of the game. But I think what's the biggest issue and this is this is across the board. I'm just going to use Habs examples. But when players are getting hit in the face and there's no call, yeah, and I'm not talking exactly. about like hitting the face like in a scrum and they go down. I'm talking like I see a player skate through the crease and his stick catches uh, Brett Kulak in the in the mouth, and mm-hmm. he goes down from the hit and there's no call. But then you'll see you know Petrie gets a holding call on Stutzel for you know just just pushing on him on the boards. It's just the consistency's gone. And the refing does need to be stepped up. I, I got to watch a little bit more of the, like, U.S. divisions. But apparently it's still, yeah, West Coast is just a little more penalized. Yeah. I'd be interested to, like, see the, you know, the regression or just the, the stats on basically, you know, calls made in the West versus the, the East. Because, you know, it's clear in the West, like, the amount of holding calls are just insane. I... The amount of hooking calls are insane. And... They're missing, like, virtually every high stick. Well, that's the thing. What what I think that also comes down to is Mon- uh, Montreal. Canada is the only division that spans east to west, if you think about it. Yeah, I, was, I was thinking about this, and I think, you know, the west being a typically larger, like, arena style, uh, arena style, um, player style, versus the east, which typically is faster as a whole in the NHL, yeah. I think that's... Um, carrying over in the Canadian division because we're noticing a lot of calls 
due to the fact that there's more discrepancy. And I know it's it's getting skewed a bit because Montreal got a lot bigger. But if you think about it, Montreal, Toronto, even Ottawa, they weren't typically big teams mm-hmm. versus like the Winnipegs, the Edmontons, the Calgarys. They were all big teams. And I think that the refs are kind of like almost, you know, by, by habit programmed to be yeah, a little, little more like ready to jump on it because when the big players do it, you know, if you're a ref who refs in Vancouver and you're used to seeing the Canucks play the Ducks every single time and you know it's Getzlaff going into the corner with Myers and then it, it, there's a lot of just big bodies yeah, moving around. Sure. So they might be a little more like sensitive to it, but it's something you just got to lock down. Like It's not an excuse, it's just maybe an explanation. Yeah, and you know, I just think, you know, we're seeing a lot of, you know, rough tied games and this is the kind of hockey that like people want to watch, right? And like, you know, calling weak penalties on a, you know, a tie game in the second period. I, I just, you know, it's uh, it, it's not do or die there. And like, I understand, but I think also the camaraderie with the, with the refs has to stop. Like there's a, you know, obviously behind closed doors, they, they talk to each other about the, about the um, missed calls or the, the calls that are, you know, called too much. But, you know, when you ask like expert refs, like with TSN did, um, and they just, no matter what, they just don't like, you know, criticize a call. It's like, you know, this isn't like the police brotherhood here. Okay. Like no, you can, exactly. you, you can, can clearly see, like it, it takes away their, their value of their opinion when like, you know, Nick Suzuki doesn't have any Jersey and there's a call. And then like every TSN commentators, like, but come on, like there, that's no call and the rest just like, well, maybe from that angle, you couldn't see, it's just like. It's like, you know, well, you got to change the angle. Yeah, it's like it's almost like a like a bad union. Yeah, and it's, it's also it shouldn't be like, you know, let's, let's using like a ref calling a play dead when he can't see the puck. Yeah, exactly. That that I find is something that is an issue because that's a positional issue for a referee mm-hmm. or a linesman. That's just it's I don't like when it comes down to like the actual physical capability of the ref yeah. rather than like the instinct cuz you know, imagine that happens with 10 seconds left to tie a game with a goalie pulled. Yeah. But, yeah, honestly, I mean, look, in summary with the review of the week, we got, um, it was a win, a win, a loss, and a win. So we yeah. went three for four. We had our first regular season loss, I believe, uh, in regular time. Or, no, did no, we lose already? No, that was our second loss. That was yeah. our second. Sorry, it was Carey Price's first regular yeah, loss. Yeah, Carey Price's first regular loss. And, um... You know, I'll take the three wins. Yes, we had that loss to Calgary. Yeah, and then uh, moving on to the preview, we've got three games this week before a, a week off, so we'll actually have a bunch of bonus episodes on that week off, yeah. but a um, little bit more challenging in terms of teams. But again, like, I'm I'm looking forward to it just because, it, like, clearly, like, we don't, you know, we, we, we play up, you know? And, um, you know, I, I think, like, it'll be a better week. I'm more nervous for these Ottawa games now. Like, honestly, like, I'm more worried for these for these Ottawa games for... You know, but it's not even... Now that you think about it, like, we, we smoked Edmonton. Well, that's the thing. It's like, I, I don't know. It's Toronto, Edmonton, Toronto, three games in four but, nights. Uh, but my point is, is, like, Edmonton's a bad team. I know. I just... Now I'm... Now but I'm, maybe that was because it was the beginning of the season or something. That's the thing. You know, McDavid and Dreisaitl... Oh, this is going to be a big game to see. And it's also going to be a big game in the sense that, you know, it's sandwiched between two Toronto games. So it's like, that's going to be like our off day. Well, that's the thing. And like I was going to say, the two Toronto games are obviously very important given we lost the first one to Toronto. Yeah. But I think out of the three, the Edmonton game is the biggest because one... 
Edmonton just has Toronto by the balls. Like yeah. McDavid seems to have like they, a. I thought they beat. I thought they got beat by Toronto. Did they? Yeah, I could have sworn sure. they won Let at least. Uh, they, they played a couple games, but while, while you're looking at that, I'll just I'll bring it up. McDavid and Drysaddle hadn't come to life yet, and now they have. The only thing is, we seem to really have a handle on that, and I think that's when the Habs, and th- this is where I'm getting my like theories from here. When the Habs only have a few players to focus on, they do very well. When they play Vancouver, they have one line to focus on. When they play Edmonton, they have half a line to focus on. When we play Ottawa, we don't really have someone to focus on. That might be why we struggle yeah. with them. Yeah, so Toronto with the Oilers, they have two wins, a loss, and an overtime loss. So they, they're not doing great against them. Definitely not as good as we are. Mm-hmm. Um, but, no, I completely agree with you. It's like having that target is, is clearly an easier scenario for the Habs but you know um those Toronto games are huge because those are you know those are those four point nights we're talking about yeah. and obviously that runs a, you know across the division but you know we're not Edmonton's not battling for a spot with us but Toronto you know we keep going between first and second with Toronto so there's gonna be big games also you know Toronto plays us back to back but we have a game between uh between those two so right. I'm uh, I'm hoping they really figure out this Carey Price uh, and Jake Allen thing because that's going to be a, you know a stretch of games that it's really going to actually matter. Yeah, I mean the one thing working in our favor, and this was announced today actually. I don't know if you got a chance to even see it. Um, Toronto's depth is all gone. Like yeah, they're, Thornton's uh, they're out, Simmons is out, Robertson's out. Well, Simmons, okay, like Simmons, they play their guys like to the bone. No, okay, I know. it's like. Did you think Wayne Simmons was going to be able to play like this for this long? The guy's no. fought like five times already. I know. He's it's... playing like insane minutes. Well, we for called what this he from is. the beginning. And like Joe Thornton, too. It's like, we're going to play Joe Thornton on the first line with first line minutes. It's like, are you insane? Yeah. He's like an old man. Oh, I know. And that's that's exactly it. It's, it's management to a certain degree. And I, you know, that's it. So I'm not terribly worried. I almost prefer, and this is what I was kind of getting to, is I'm thinking about the teams that gave us the hardest time. Um, minus the first game in Toronto because I think even Toronto fans would agree that was really just who scores last, you know, 6-5. That wasn't us getting outplayed. But the two teams that gave us the hardest time so far are Calgary and Ottawa. And it's interesting because those are the two teams where I would argue they don't have like a bona fide superstar. Like I understand Godreau, Monaghan, yeah, Kachuk. Not like that those are good players, but like they don't have that, you McDavid, know, McDavid, Matthews, Matthews Pedersen, Hughes, uh, yeah. like these guys who are just, you know, like yeah, the no, face of the league. And so it's interesting that the teams with kind of the uh, least amount of star power yeah, like gave us the biggest depth. issue. Yeah, exactly. Like, Ottawa has pseudo depth, just in the sense exactly. that like they're obviously not a deep team, but like their third line is like their second line. Right. So it's kind of a harder target, but you know we're gonna have to figure it out. I think a lot of that had to do also just with Matt Murray. Like for some reason he's got something against Montreal or something, but yeah. you know that guy's a piece of shit this year. Yeah. Well, and I mean, yeah. Like, I think he's he's an eight four eight. He was an eight four five when we played him. Then after our two games against him, I think he's like an eight seventy or something. Yeah, he had two very good games that he uh, you could like you said you could argue he was due for, but at the same time, yeah, he uh, absolutely stepped it up against Montreal, and I think that was also maybe a little bit of a personal vendetta when it came to like last year in the bubble. Yeah, probably. Um, oh no, sorry. What am I saying? No, not he wasn't. Yeah. He was already gone. Yeah. Um, but yeah, in general, um, yeah, I think he just has the same effect like we said uh you come to the bell center you get hyped up even yeah. when there's no fans 
So, um, do you want to move on to the current events? There's a couple important ones that we can um, talk about. Just before we jump in, just go back to the preview. Who do you have starting these games? Um, I think they're going to go Price for uh, the first Toronto game. Then they're going to play Allen against Edmonton. And then I think they'll probably go back to Kerry in Toronto. But I think I they know. might give Allen the set. It might go Price, Allen, Allen is what I'm thinking. But they're definitely going to give Price the first start just based off the fact that Allen played the last one. schedule here because they obviously they don't do this in weeks, right? Like they do this in games. Mm-hmm. So like, you know, if we go to February, um, you know, we have a, yeah, oh yeah, we have a seven-day break after that. So it's like you were saying, we have our bye week. So, oh boy, that's going to be tough to, to make the decision on. I just, you know, you, you got to look at Price's performance with Toronto and I'm, you know. The other thing I'm thinking is maybe Price, Price, Allen, and then give Price a nice long rest. Say so you have two back-to-backs and then you're off for nine days. Yeah, I'd maybe do that. But yeah, I, I, yeah. Either way, sure. the the nice thing is as as much as you know people harp on Carey Price, um, we do have two very solid goalies. Yeah, yeah. And I, you know what, I I, I would play Carey Price at least, you know, two of them because I like it's Carey Price. You know, yeah, yeah. It's, he's not no, going to completely be, agree. Especially and looking at the last game, he was I mean, an eight six you know, four. You look at a team like Toronto, like either you know either way you slice it it's going to be a high scoring game exactly I mean, like they're 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 high octane offense you know they they really pump the goals out but you know so do so do we and like you know i i think uh you know i think carrie ann allen could do it i think just maybe splitting them uh you know game one and game three you know going for a different goalie there might be a might be a good uh change of pace for both of them and you know mm-hmm. i think alan does want those big games too yeah and i think it works beneficially in terms of a strategy because like you said toronto doesn't have a game in between yeah and uh let them see both goalies kind of thing yeah no for sure um uh, the other last thing i could say is they could start with alan on the 10th and then go price price and then have the rest yeah but anyway uh we'll move on to the current events there's a couple cool things in the news this week um so I believe it still is at the moment, but I could be wrong. Um, Tyler Toffoli and Josh Anderson were the top two goal scorers in the NHL at yeah, one point. So uh, that's changed slightly. I think Besser so, jumped up. Yeah, so Toffoli's tied for second. With okay. eight, uh, he has nine goals. Matthews has ten. Okay. Um, so Toffoli's tied with McDavid and Besser. Right. Um, Great company. And then we have Anderson at eight. Right. So, that's that's just incredible to see. You know, like these are two guys. So two and three. And those were the big moves from Bergevin. I know the Allen is important too, but those were the two big forwards that he brought in. He brought in the sniper and the power forward. Can you imagine how can you imagine how screwed we'd be with Antonini? Oh yeah. That'd I'd forget just, it. Oh boy. Or or just imagine a team without right now to Foley and Anderson. Who yeah. do you put in there? I mean well, yeah. who who do you even put in? I know. You'd have Armia playing on the second line. You'd have Perry in, not on the taxi squad. Then you'd have to go out and get another guy. It just it overall just would not be the same. Um, but yeah, it's just so nice to see basically Bergevin's moves pan out. Yeah, and well, it's you just also, take them off alone. We're down. We're, we're down seventeen goals. Well, and and how many plays did they? You know, well there basically you go. Make? I mean, it's it's unbelievable. I mean, Josh Anderson specifically this week. He had one, crazy, two, like, three four five points in four games with four goals crazy to think like you know a are the number two goal scorer in the nhl is playing on our third line i know it's it's crazy 
Yeah, and then um, the second thing, and there's, there's not much to talk about just because I know we didn't get to mention and we lost the audio, but uh, the reverse retro jerseys. Yeah, beautiful. They're really so nice. nice. So like, I It's don't... nice to see they weren't cursed either because like, we had a back-to-back shit games against Ottawa. Yeah, exactly. Although Ottawa wore their reverse retros when yeah. they lost. I'm, I'm actually curious. I'm going to look into it after yeah. the podcast, see how many teams have not won a game while wearing their reverse yeah. retros. But uh, you know, all in all, really, like I, I, lo- I love them. Like, I love yeah, the jerseys. Yeah, they're, they're so nice. I, I mean, forget when they're wearing them next. I think they have a couple in February. They have a few, yeah. And I mean, it's nice too because, like, obviously the they people can't see you know our our studio here, but like we have our Habs jerseys hanging up over there, one red, one blue. They just they look nice, and it, they're just very very crisp and clean. They look nice with the uniforms as a whole too, which has been an issue for some teams where like the jersey alone looks good but then you put the uniform and it looks kind of meh but uh yeah the then we'll just say like congratulations to shea weber yeah silver stick club thousand games Uh, i thought he was gonna i thought he was gonna tape it up and play with it yeah oh my god that like he'd probably be one of the one of the few people that could play with it (laughs) yeah also um you know we're gonna we uh received uh gift certificates from the banquise for um you know our, our our weekly local restaurant review and uh you know we're going to be giving those away so the details will be posted on our social media this week uh we're going to think of something uh to give them away to you guys so stay tuned for that that's yeah good i, I almost forgot to mention that um something important with philip to know uh it was reported that those contract negotiations have officially been tabled until the off season yes. so uh-huh. I think that's a good move from, you know, Bergevin. I think he's seeing how Deno is playing. You know, he had two points in that 3-2 loss, and then I haven't really seen him otherwise. Still hasn't scored a what goal. What do you think that means for both parties? Uh, I think Philip Deno realized he was asking for too much and kind of wanted to say, let me prove it. Mm-hmm. And I think Mark Bergevin realized that he could maybe get Deno on an even cheaper deal. I think Bergevin is gonna... uh, doubling down on the fact that Deno's having a slow start and Deno's um, trying to compensate for the slow start. Yeah, no, I agree. I think that it, I think it was more of a move from Bergevin, basically saying, you know, look how bad you're playing. Uh, I'm going to double down on it. Just because we can get him far cheaper, you know, and you know his, uh, you know, even if they're doing this on a on a you know a per minute on ice basis, his ice time's identical. I just checked, so he's well, he's playing go. 16, 17 minutes a game. Yeah, you know that's what about what he was playing last year. Um, so you know, uh, I don't know if he's just buckling under the pressure, but you know, um, I think the offense is more spread out, so he doesn't have to yeah. be that guy. Yeah, and that's not what he wants. But unfortunately, you know what? Look at his his, uh, you know soon-to-be successor nick suzuki he's a 12 points in 12 games yeah. he's 21 so yeah I, he's, you he's know. coming up the pipe fast i know deno feels the pressure but you know like lean into your strengths yeah you'll like, get yeah. more money if you lean into your strengths you know we need defensive centers yeah so I, it's like, i'm totally for signing yeah. him i wouldn't mind signing him for more if he was like gung-ho to be the third line no, center. i would i would i don't want him for no me. when i say more i mean like the higher end okay. that we yeah, discussed yeah. But that would be, like, only if he seemed to be in the mode of, like, I'm going to be your shutdown guy. Yeah. I don't know what, you know, just lean into your strengths, man. Like, honestly, like, we, we you know, the organization desperately needs you in that in that regard. And, um, you know, I you're going to get less money pretending to be something you're not. And, you know, you're you're clearly not that to be uh And to there's, be loyal, there's loyalty fees that come with this, right? If you go to a new team... They know your defensive value. 
they're not going to know you for your offensive upside and because yeah. you don't have one. Like you're you're going into a new organization, they're definitely not going to sign him for the uh, the yeah, offense. You're, you're definitely not going to play first line. No, it's so. exactly it. If he wants to go to you know join Domi in Columbus, he can go play second line center. They're not going to pay him that much. Yeah, and, and I it. think you know I think at the end of the day, more than anything, he wants to bring the cup back to Montreal. Absolutely. You know, he grew up with this team. He you know he's lived here his whole life. Like he he obviously has a connection to the Canadians. And so I find it hard to believe that you know if he if he tries to poke and prod us for six mil, like he's out of his mind because no one's giving him that. And you know he has such a long history with Bergevin because before Bergevin yeah, was Chicago. in the Habs organization, Bergevin was in the Chicago organization. Like he, this has been a project for Bergevin since before he was in the NHL. So that's basically it. You know, it's just like like get it done and just make it the right number. Um, you know, the last thing I wanted to mention is, as of today, Montreal, per moneypuck.com, is number one yeah. for the Stanley Cup odds uh, as the winners, obviously, with a 7.4% 7. Uh, chance. Uh, that's a whole percentage above second place Toronto at 6.4. Um, when was the last, you know, we're about 20% into the season. When was the last time we were cup favorites? Yeah. I, you know, I... I think a lot of that has to do with the amount of, you know, goal scoring we're doing because Toronto does have a better record than us. Um, you know, they have an extra point because, you know, one of their lo- one of our regulation losses actually, uh, you know, goes to their overtime losses. So, you know, I, I think just the sheer offense that we have and, the, the, you know, the sheer, you know, how much we're spreading the wealth, you know, like Toronto, it, it's obvious who the points are coming from. But, you know, Montreal, you know, you combine the shorthanded goals, you combine the crazy one-two punch goaltending we have. You combine, uh, you know, big defense and talented defense and a potential Norris uh, Norris Trophy winner. Um, and you know, then you throw into Foley, you throw in Anderson, you throw in a, a Suzuki that's thriving in his new role. Uh, you throw in like a, you know, a, a Selkie center like Dano. I mean, like we're very very deep. And uh, you know, you throw in veterans like Perry, and you know, we're looking really good. And I think that's a lot of stuff that. You know points aside because toronto you know it's obviously just one measly point but uh, that can change very quickly but points aside you know we're just a team that looks like we can withstand the playoffs longer than most teams well that's it and that's the team mark bergevin built and i just want to i'm putting it out there for the naysayers in terms of oh they're first for the winning the cup that that doesn't mean they have you know just the odds of making the cup they're they're first in the league in the odds of making the playoffs getting through the first round, getting through the second round, making it to the final, and winning the final. So those are five separate categories where they're leading the NHL. And obviously, you know, one plays into the other, but the calculations are separate. Yeah. And I think it's just important to note that. So, like, this is this is a real team, like, real yeah. deal. And this is a team that's set up to win for a, quite a while. But, you know, for the most part, our next week of, of play is going to really, uh, you know, it's going to be a real test to see how... You know, one, it, we make out in the standings, and then two, you know, playing these caliber of teams, it's gonna, you know, it's uh, two Toronto's. That's that; those are big games. Yeah, and that's what I think is gonna be the tell for the rest of the year. Yeah, cause uh, yeah, we'll have to see. But uh, I'm really looking forward to this week. Okay, and uh, on to our gambling. So, a bit of a stronger week for us. We said last week to expect the over on February first, and I think we said the Habs would cover the over on their own. Yeah. And they did, actually. 6-2 six so to is well over 5.5 goals. Uh, we had February 2nd, counting the win. We got that, too. 
And then February 4th, we said take Montreal minus one and a half goals on the spread. That was the loss. So again, we don't have to rehash it, but that was the surprising miss of the week. Yeah. Uh, this week, you know, picking one from each game, uh, I would take the over in February 10th. This is like yeah. two different reasons two, here. Yeah. You know, Toronto's February 10th. That's two very high scoring offenses, uh, you know, teams that don't like each other. And, you know, just going off of last game, 6-5 win for Toronto. I mean, like, you know, it's not going to be much lower than that. I could see, you know, maybe a 4-3, uh, you know, 5-4, but yeah, definitely and, not like a 2-1. And I just also want to tack it on that our last two games, we've put up two goals in each game. So we're due yeah, for we're a due big for a goal. Big. You know, our average is just about That's four. exactly what we said for that over on February 1st. That was exactly yeah. it, yeah. Um. February 11th, I would take uh, the win against Edmonton, and I'd always take the under. I think that'll be a bit of a lower-scoring game. I could see, you know, like the Habs won 3-1 last time. I could see 4-1 even, maybe 3-2, but that's still under 5.5, so that, that's my pick. I don't know. How do you feel about that one? Um, yeah, no, I agree. I think, um, no, it's gonna be it's going to be tough playing back-to-back like that, you know, and like... You know, putting that much heart into a game like Toronto, you know, like where we amp ourselves up so much and the players get so pumped for it just to go play in Edmonton, I could see us being kind of lackadaisical a little bit yeah. and uh, more the goaltending holding us in. So, yeah, a lower game. Okay. And lower then the, game. The, the fun bet of the week would be the second game in Toronto. Um, the game will go to overtime. I'm predicting yeah, it now. Gonna, yeah, I agree. Uh, that typically pays out like four to one, whatever you bet anyway. So maybe even five to one. So that's that's a fun bet you can throw in for the day. I also think uh, you know every game against Toronto seems to be close. Yeah, very so, tight uh, games. I would I wouldn't be surprised if February thirteenth goes to overtime. Yeah. All right. Want to move on to our power rankings? Yeah, definitely. I think it'll be nice. We'll have a few new names we'll, on the uh, board. We'll start with the forwards this time. We did the D last. Okay, cool. So, um, do you want me to go first? Yeah, you start at number six. All right, number six, we have Arturi Lekkonen. Um, between, you know, he had a two-point night on February 1st. Um, you know, didn't show up on the scoreboard other than that. But the guy's just, he's all heart. He's so noticeable. He's so um, versatile. And, you know, on the penalty kill, he still gets his chances. He puts up about, you know... I, I'd say every penalty he gets at least a shot on goal, which is incredible when you think about it. But well, he has two of our seven shorthanded goals. Well, that, right? and that's where I was going with it. Is with that shorthanded goal on February first, that was that was like an all effort play with a nice finish. But um, that's Arturi Lekkonen summed up. Though. That's I mean, exactly like, it. He's, they were trying to break out. He was just on them like white on rice. Yeah. And he just uh, you know he he bumped them off the puck, took it, and just put it in the net. Yeah, and, and that's I, exactly it's yeah. exactly what you get from him, and exactly what you need from him. You know that fourth line when they're on, they're on, yeah. and he's a big part of that. So that's number six for me. I'm gonna go number five with uh, you know a guy who shares a line with Lekkonen, Paul Byron. Um, you know, just another hustle player. You know, it, it's it's you know it leaves a bit of a sour taste in your mouth seeing that he's on a bit of a you know a dry spell this season. You know, I think he's kind of fitting into the role that you know he has now. Uh, you know, being a you know a deep depth player. Um, you know, he he spoke with the, spoke about that with the TSN. You know, it, it's kind of a weird adjustment for him to you know not get the minutes as, you know that he's used to. Um, you know, a bit of a different crowd in the locker room, and you know he feels like. You know he's really due and he feels like you know this is he was saying uh to uh john lou that this was like one of his 
you know, the, the season where he felt like he was playing one of his best hockeys, you know, best hockey seasons. And, yeah, the you know, stats I could don't see it. show it. The stats don't show it, but well. you could definitely tell he's frustrated, and I understand why, you know. I mean, like, it, the amount of chances the guy has and the amount of chances the guy's creating, you know, I can't count how many times this guy has been the third touch on an assist, but just off of, you know, basically you know, just rules on reporting the goals that he doesn't make it on there. But there's a few times where, you know, he'll make the play, then a guy will just touch it, and then, you know, he won't get the assist. And obviously that happens with everybody. But, you know, I I just want to highlight how well he's playing. And, uh, you know, not many mistakes defensively, but, you know, you expect that from Paul Byron, you know, a very defensively sound player. And, you know, again, I could tell this year he's just healthy as hell because if this guy gets a step on you, he's gone. You know I mean? I think that's you know, a reason we're so dangerous to play on, on, you know, depth wise is just how many guys did he burn against Calgary? And like, I'm not going to talk about that game because that was in our last review, obviously, but you even noticed it in Vancouver. Like, you know, Calgary is a bit of a slower team. So like, yeah, he stood out, but Vancouver's a pretty quick team and he was burning Quinn Hughes. You know, he was burning like, you know, everyone on that team. And, you know, I'm excited to see how he plays against Toronto because Paul Byron's definitely one of those guys that, you know, jumps up when they, uh, you know, when the uh, the big games come around. No, it's definitely it. And I mean, like, look, in the past three years, and, and this one that has continued, so basically since, like, Vegas joined the league, Paul Byron's put up .44 points per game. You know, in the last week, he had one point in four games. So, you know, it's a little bit, you know, basically if he had one more assist, he'd be having a typical week yeah but i mean more but like, i just meant for those of, like who are going after him for his point yeah, production. yeah well it's if you're that. going yeah if you're going after paul byron for his point production playing on the fourth line left wing and also being a penalty killer i mean like you don't really understand his role well, but in the that's team. exactly but it. I'm, I'm talking about his he's goals that close anyway yeah yeah the goals i'd like to see him step it up at the same he's time he's super streaky he's, though and he's playing his role to the t yeah. like it, it's but you know what the paul rest byron, of his line is scoring yeah paul byron though when when he's streaky he's streaky and like you know you just gotta hopefully that game comes in Toronto because it'd be nice to really punish Toronto on their depth Mm -hmm. and I think that's going to be the way that we we ultimately proceed but you know I think there's a big week coming from him no most definitely um yeah moving on to number four it's got to be and I'm you know it's unfortunate he's this low on the list because I think he's been playing very well it's just the guys above him have been playing even better it's Jonathan Druin um he's a catalyst for offense right now I mean he's got you know, numerous points across four games, and it's he's noticeable on the ice. Finally, yeah. you know when he has the puck. I mean, I know you missed this during uh, the the other game there, but he there was a play in terms of heads up movement where he was coming across the ice from right to left, and Brady Kachuk swooped in to check him, and he stopped on the dime. When you watch it in uh, slow motion, they showed it. It kind of looks like those videos. You know when a car drifts and it just misses yeah. the person. It's literally like that, and then he had the the foresight to kind of hesitate, take a step back. He made two guys completely miss him, and then made a great play, which actually ended up leading to a big scoring chance for Josh Anderson. And you know, it, it was just, it was it's good to see him kind of finally comfortable in you know in his role. Yeah, basically. I'll, I'll jump in here. One thing I'm you know I've criticized Drew a lot, and you know how he's played for us in the past, but. You know, this year, what I'm what I'm really noticing with him, and we've explained this on the previous podcast, but I'm going to add something else. But, you know, obviously, you, you take away these unnecessary fancy plays. And I think he's realized that, you know, he obviously has silky hands, but he's not that guy. You know what I mean? Like, he's not the Patrick Kane. 
you know, who can just, you know, deke around you all day. Uh, you know, these drop passes, you know, he stopped doing these, these ridiculous drop passes on the, on the penalty, on the uh, power play. But most importantly with him, he's finally shooting. Yep. He never shot last year. It drove me nuts. Well, and yeah, teams would just give him the shot because they know he'll force It looks like pass. he would just cycle the puck on the power play just to cycle it. Like, he just yep. didn't use... It when it drove comes me to me, just put it to the point. But, you know, like, even, you know, in the uh, the last game against Ottawa there where Josh Anderson buried, like, the third rebound, he took the shot there. Yeah. Like, like Drew and took the shot, and it led to a goal, and, like, you And know. he could have easily dropped it to Suzuki, yeah. but it's it's nice to see that. And, you know, and I mean, just, just looking briefly, I mean two points in four games he's got almost a point per game on the season yeah he's he's really showing you know it's it's he found his groove with suzuki in the bubble and they kept it and if anything they just enhanced it with anderson yeah, that's one thing i'm loving with the habs right now too is we're not like doing this uh you know fuckery moving the lines around yeah. every game like that's just you know it, it clearly well, that was the biggest issue we had in uh, the lost ottawa as we noticed it they started putting out special lines for the third period and yeah. it's like oh it's no. like you gotta you gotta just let these guys gel together and like yeah. I, I noticed last year like they just kept moving everyone around and like you know yeah. i understand when you have a loss you want to change something up but like you might be losing because you haven't given them enough time to gel that's exactly it um moving number on to th- number three we're gonna go with um Brendan Gallagher. So Gallagher had a bit of a, you know, slower start to the season. And, uh, you know, he's just in full throttle now. I mean, he had, uh, you know, two goals this week, uh, one against the Vancouver, one in the Vancouver game. And then he scored the first goal against Ottawa on February 4th, where we, uh, we took the loss there, but it was such a Gallagher goal. Yeah. You know, I, I just love how, you know, he's, he's the opposite of what I was just talking about with Drew in last year. It's like Gallagher knows what he's good at. And he just, he just, you know, he puts his shoulder down and leans into it. Hopefully, you know, he learned, uh, Dano learned something from Gallagher. Yeah, I like, think Gallagher, just to jump in there, is like the polar opposite of Drew, and it's like, yeah. really doesn't have that natural talent, but yeah. is just a hard worker. Yeah, I and, love that. Uh, I'll just say, though, he has five five goals in 12 games oh, in yeah. the season. Right? No, I'm just, so, I, he had a slow start, though. Yeah, no, exactly. We were a bit worried sure. by game three there, but, but he that's, just completely that's a 34 goal pace. Yeah, no, he's, he's killing it now. That's why he's up there. I mean, he's just, you know, he's on he's on track for a career year. Yeah. So. You know, no complaints from Gallagher, and I think you know, obviously he's the emotional leader on the team, and you know he's he's really the soul of our team, and you know he's uh, it's good to see he's thriving on his new contract. Let's jump to number two. Who do you have? Uh, it's got to be Nick Suzuki. It's about time he's in on this list. Um, you know, having multiple... this first time. Yeah, I thought he was. I'm pretty sure it's the first time he was on oh, the list. Maybe I thought week one, maybe maybe week one. But you know, he had multiple point nights multiple nights this week i know it's a bit of a weird sentence but you know he had one two three four five points in these uh, last four games he's a point per game player he you know the, just the think about things. that guys he's a point per game player like we we finally have a guy who's gonna end the season with like 80 plus and points. 80 plus, like it's insane in a regular like, so year happy. and yeah it's great to see and it's good to see the age and the maturity and it's the little things that he does. Like I, again, I like I his am, physicality is great. That's it. He, he's he's rough, and you should have seen in uh, the last game on the sixth. There, we had a penalty called on us, and he went and forechecked to the point on the penalty kill where he drew a penalty on Shabbat in like twenty seconds. Nice. It was so, and I I, I know it's a big comparison, but it was such a Bergeron move. He's, yeah, he's I, I, an elite center. When I uh, when I rewatched there, the uh, that was a very lazy play by Shabbat. Well, yeah, he, he shouldn't that, have but... he shouldn't have held him like that. Yeah. But all in all, you know, like Suzuki's just he's he's officially the guy. Yeah, and it's just like you said, it's great to have a point producer like that 
but it's also just good because he's defensively responsible, he plays beyond his age, and you know, he's he's finally getting rewarded for it. I mean, yeah. it didn't take him long. Last year was his rookie season. Yeah, just imagine guys in three years here. Yeah. You know I mean, like he's Well imagine yeah. in five when he's all of twenty six years old. Mm-hmm. It's gonna be insane. When when caught Kaniemi's twenty five, he's twenty six and they've been in the league for nearly six, seven years. Yeah. That's you know, Kotkaniemi's gonna be about six two, probably two twenty at that yeah. point. It's going right. to be incredible. So Jumping to number, number one, one here. Okay, so the number one offensive player this week on our list, we have Josh Anderson. So, you know, I'm happy to see, you know, obviously Josh Anderson's been a big plus this season. I mean, like, I no one's going to disagree there. But specifically, what I'm really happy with him this week is that he's being the guy who's scoring during the nights that no one else is. Yeah. You know, and that's a huge, huge deal for us because... You know, so far we're, we've seen kind of polarizing games. I mean, like we're the number one scoring uh, team in the league, but you know we seem to be scoring, you know, two goals or like six, seven goals. And like you know during those games, you know, like it, it's weird to say, but like against the Ottawa Senators, where you know we just can't seem to find the back of the net. Like Josh Anderson's clearly doing it. I mean, he is. He scored again. He scored both go- uh, both games against Ottawa, and. Um, he you know, had five points in four games this week. Yeah, so you know, four goals. Yeah, so just think of that contract. I mean, if this guy stays healthy, I mean, you know, this is going to be, you and, know, up there with the Tyler Toffoli. Yeah, contract. and this is the kind of guy that, as he transitions into a bottom six player near the end of his career, he's going to be a power forward. Yeah. So you know, it's he's going to be one of these guys that he'll just basically take on the role essentially of Corey Perry, where he can just put his body in front of the net, play his role, and get out. And I'm sure you know he's healthy he's fine um he's just he's so so good i love like i love this dude we we were talking about him about a year before he came to montreal when we were looking at where do we move domi this was one of the guys that always came up. oh yeah yeah and he's uh you know he always had that question mark around him because of his injuries there but you know he's kind of uh given us a few scares this season luckily like all not related to his shoulder just kind of fluky uh Mm -hmm. like diarrhea incidents yeah (laughs) but uh you know i couldn't be happier with Josh Anderson. I'm just, you know, it, it's nice to see we have such a unique player on our team. Like, you know, there's not many guys like him in the league. And, uh, you know, I'm happy he's number one there. Moving on to defensemen, who do you have for number three? Uh, it's got to be Brett Kulak. I mean, you know, a bit of process of elimination here because it wasn't Mete, it wasn't Romanov. Uh, Sherratt was undisciplined and uh, Edmondson was neutral, which I'm okay with. But he was still, you know, he, I think he had an assist at one point. But I didn't really notice him much. But I will give Kulak, Kulak, <laughs> Kulak a few props here. Um, one of the reasons why I have him as top three is he had to deal with that Mete situation. Yeah, and he successfully dealt and with yeah, it. And yeah, he basically mitigated Mete being on the ice. Yeah, there was like three or four plays um, where like I clearly, you could clearly see on the ice that Kulak pick up, picked up the slack and, uh, you know, didn't allow a, a Victor Mete turnover to lead to a goal. And, and that's it. And he also put up a point, so that puts him basically just looking... I like looking at their points per game and comparing it to the week. He's completely on track. Yeah. So, you know, the, I not think much to say. I, you know, I, and it's a... You know, I, I hope you guys don't jump down my throat here and be like, well, you just said, uh, you know, the Mete loyalists say this. But, you know, I think Kulak, you know, has more potential in him than, than what we're getting. And I think this season, you know, it's the first season where he's been given a D partner... And that, a role. And a role, specific yeah. Role. But, you know, just like I just like I was saying with, you know, Jeff Petrie and, and Arturi Lekkinen, 
these guys finally have a slot or a piece in, in the in the grand scheme of you know the puzzle that is the Montreal Canadiens and like now that they're in that role we can actually see what they're made of and That's I exactly think Kulak it. you know now that he has a you know a bona fide pair on defense like we can actually see what his ceiling is so you know I'm excited to see how he plays for the yeah. rest of the season uh number two's got to be Shea Weber this week um you know, he put up a point in the game against Vancouver, and then he put up, a, well, both games in Vancouver, actually, so that's two points in four games. That's great. Um, but it's also just the fact that I just noticed him on the ice. You know, he was skating well. He was holding the line surprisingly well, which we know is not a strong suit of his. And, you know, he, he's just, he's making the smart plays. He's taking shots that aren't missing the net or killing Brendan Gallagher. Yeah. He's just, he's overall, he just, he played very well, very stable presence, and I don't know. I just I liked what he did this week. You know, he kind of rallied the guys together a little bit too. You can see when we were getting frustrated, you could see him talking to guys on the bench too. Um, you know, it was obviously a big week for him with the uh, you know silver stick and everything. But I think he just he just again showed that he's one of those guys in the league that just everyone would kill to have. Yeah, he's such a you know such a such a presence on the ice and. You know, speaking of presence on the ice, we're going to move to number one here. And, you know, Jeff Petrie, you know, I can't believe this guy. You know, like this guy is a obviously a contender for the Norris this year. Um, you know, I, I'd be I'd be remiss if, if I didn't, you know, think Kale McCarr was leading the league here because just about just with his play. But I think Jeff Petrie has slight, slightly more defensive upside to him. You know, Kale McCarr and is looking at the history of the Norris. It doesn't normally go to a yeah. young guy. No, it's normally it's an older guy. Look at the Giordanos. Giordano. Look at uh, you know Yozies and Carlsons and Hedmans. These are all guys in their late twenties, early thirties. Um, the NHL has a soft spot for uh, veterans that step up, and. You I mean, know, yeah. Petrie's making a case for himself Was to be a Norris. Point per game now? Just about, I believe, yeah. And he's, he, I think he's first or second in uh, scoring amongst defensemen in the NHL, like goal scoring, I mean. Yeah, he's but, just, uh, you know, and, you know, obviously not super strong defensively, but strong enough. You know, yeah, strong enough. Yeah, definitely not weak. It's just, it's but, not a strong You suit. know, you pair that with an Edmondson, yeah. and then all oh, of a sudden. Sorry, he's not a point per game. He's uh, 14 points in 12 games. Holy shit. <laughs> so. You know, obviously, you you uh, you know, you're atta- it's nice to see a guy like that. You know, who's you know somewhat lived in the shadow of a guy for a little while, and you know, I think he's just completely taken the reins now. And you know, it it goes to show you what actually you know giving a guy a role on the team can do. You mm-hmm. know, like like we said, Petrie's been just the uh, you know mentor, the new guy uh, role for the for the last like you know three four years, and like. You know, you actually give this guy a partner who he can trust to, you know, move up with the play, move up the the puck up the ice, and you know, have faith that that guy's got your back. Yeah, um, it's, and it's not nice a, having Petrian. Yeah, and and not be a you know a different guy every few weeks. You know, you you see what these guys' ceilings are, and you know, it's it, nice that it's a he already signed his contract. Typically, you see guys who sign those contracts decline. He's yeah. just risen to the occasion. Yeah. I think that's going to be a really good signing. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, yeah, I couldn't be more happy with Petrie, and you know, love to see a humble guy like that. Uh, yeah, really and push he's just—he's earning his money. He's making the team better, and I—I I just hope you know, just in general, I, I hope this team, and obviously, there's a big hope uh, that we win the cup. And he's one of those guys who I just feel like you know deserves it. Yeah, he. You definitely, know, like Carey uh, Price is a guy. Shea Weber's a guy. 
but Jeff Petrie too. It's someone who just like I want to see them hold that cup yeah. and like. Yeah, that's basically it. So, uh, you know, it's 6.30 on a Sunday. Yeah, enjoy the Super Bowl. Yeah, enjoy the Super Bowl. And uh, I keep wafting fried chicken in here. So, <laughs> so yeah. uh, we'll catch you guys next time. Yeah. Thank you for listening to the Habs Puck Drop Podcast. You can email us your thoughts, questions, and suggestions through our email at habspuckdrop at gmail.com or direct message us on Instagram at habspuckdrop. We'll see you next time.